With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Well, I think we're live, and unfortunately, we'll work out the kinks a little while later. Sorry about that, folks. It's the wonderful thing known as an audio clip when you're not sure quite exactly what you're doing. Um, That hmm you heard was uh, the indomitable A.J. Black. A.J. alongside myself, Dan New Guy Rubin. And welcome, everybody, to the very first, very brand new, very we really have no idea what we're doing BC Interruption Radio. AJ, they, they say that this stuff doesn't work without a, uh, without a couple of, of hitches along the way. I'm willing to bet that's not, that we're going to have a few of them along the way. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's going to continue to happen. But, hey, that's part of the fun of technology is to, to roll with the punches and go with what you got. So we're well, here, and we're here to talk BC sports, so I'm excited to get started. Well, I had this I had this great opening all lined up where I was going to have like the fight song go and then I was going to play like the the Great Gates of Kiev like 2001 a space odyssey but now you just have to use your imagination and imagine the red carpet being rolled out. It works. Got a great show lined up for you today. I mentioned uh, my co-host, you heard him, AJ Black, our, one of our resident experts here on PC Interruption. And by experts, I mean he knows more than I do. That's for darn sure. Great show lined up for you, as I mentioned. Uh, we're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some bowl games. We're going to talk some more football. And uh, then we're going to hopefully get to some questions in there. We'll talk some basketball. And, you know, with any luck, we'll be able to jump right into it. And uh, like I said, let's make this thing happen. So, I'm gonna give this one more shot with some type of a uh, with some type of an intro, and we'll jump right in without further ado to uh, to some football talk. back in December of 2013 when AJ Black and Dan Rubin uh, decided to do a radio show for BC Interruption. And uh, all this time later, um, someone between Dan Rubin and AJ Black with some guest hosts along the way um, had taken stewardship of the show. 
Um, now Dan Rubin and AJ Black are, are off to do different things. And so we have new leadership and new stewardship of this wonderful radio program. So without further ado, let's get started. Coming to you live from the classic city, Athens, Georgia, this is Arthur Balin. And coming to you from not the East Coast, but the West Coast, the immortal Patrick Toppin. Can you hear me? I can absolutely hear you. Love it. All right. Yeah, coming to you live from my childhood bedroom in Oakland, California. Uh, let's talk some football. It is uh, the beginning of the season is upon us, um, which, if you're like me, it's a time of excitement. It's a time of optimism, unless you're a BC fan, in which you will probably just complain. So, let's complain. Let's. So, first things first. What are you expecting from this this season? Um, because I think we had a good idea of what we were expecting from this team last season, but this year I'm I'm less sure um, because there's a lot of turnover. Um, BC lost a lot of big guys um, from the team last year. They're returning still a decent amount, um, but there's a lot of sort of uncertainty, I guess, for um, the program this far. Um, so what are, you, what are you expecting, Patrick? Oh, it's tough because I think there's – I think I know what I expect out of the offense, um, or at least I know what I want to expect out of the offense. Um, basically, I view it as, once again, like always, it comes down to Anthony Brown and how is Anthony Brown going to develop. Um, can he keep enough pressure off of A.J. Dillon? Um, I think we'll get an improved version of the last year. I don't think that there's a whole lot of drop-off um, – at the skill positions, um, obviously you return your most important uh, asset, which is AJ Dillon. Um, I think you know how the offense grows, however much Anthony Brown grows. Um, to me, the questions for the first time in a while are all about the defense, and um, it could be fine. I think the best case scenario is fine, um, but it could also be really bad. Well, like my thing is, you know, we the Eagles are t- bringing back Anthony Brown, and they're bringing back AJ Dillon, and they're bringing back uh, um, a bunch of wide receivers. But the offensive line just is almost completely different. Uh, so, I'm, you know, as good as, as AJ Dillon is, you, your your running backs are only as good as your offensive line, right? So, and I'm gonna say just off the top of my head. As I look down the depth chart, because I, I was I was doing some research on the offensive line earlier this season. I think that is where the offense rises and falls, and I'm pretty confident in it. Um, I look at it, and I see um, an all-star right tackle in Ben Petrula. I think Ben Petrula plays at an all-ACC level. I'm more than confident in his ability, um, both pass and run blocking, um, I am a big fan of Alec Lindstrom. Um, I think he'll be fine. I think he's uh, sort of got a good, a fair amount of play time last year um, and sort of let him get bled into the first thing unit. John Phillips is a grad transfer or a grad student. I don't think there's a whole lot there. Um, and I think Hayden Mahoney behind him is a good rotational guy. He's from URI. Um, Anthony Palazzolo, um, I think he got a good size there. And then I see the only 
not surprised. I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people said him to start at right tackle, not left tackle is Tyler Vrabel, who obviously has the pedigree. He's got the size. He's six, five, three, 10. I'm not that concerned about the offensive line. They do lose. Um, you know, it's hard to replace a first round draft pick and big Lindstrom. Um, but I think that there's enough guys who've been on this team for enough years that I'm not really that concerned about the offensive line. I think that it will be above average in the ACC. I don't think it'll be elite, um, but I also think that the offensive line last year really failed to meet expectations when we all expected a really elite offensive line and then didn't get it. So I think it'll be maybe a small step down, but nothing too noticeable. Um, I don't think that's where the big drop-offs in this team this year are not going to be on the offensive line. I think it comes in the defensive line and most importantly in the defensive backfield, which we'll talk about in a sec. Yeah. Um, and before I be, uh, go on, we have a new feature on our show. Uh, you got, y'all can call in at 646-200-0446. Um, so my thing is, I, I think that's all well and good. And you definitely have a bunch of guys who are returning, but you can't lose 80% of your starting offensive line and not have some level of attrition. And I get, you know, like a, a bunch of guys have seen some time, but at the end of the day, you're losing 80% of your offensive line. And if you lose your, if you lose 80% of your offensive line, that's going to, that's going to affect your run game no matter what. And that's going to put more pressure on Anthony Brown, who might live up to the pressure, but he's still, there's still, there's still like an issue that kind of needs to be fleshed out there. Um. Yeah, but I don't know. Adazio rotates his line, especially his guards, so much that I'm just I have a hard time being concerned about it. If that makes and like seeing it, especially to me, um, it's not the issue with this team. It's I don't see it as like when I'm like, oh man, like this team is really gonna suffer on the offensive line. I think the offensive line will be. Fine. I just look at it and I see a defense. I mean, I just think there's a lot of knowns on the offense. To me, the defense is just filled with unknowns, and I think that's where BC may or may not struggle this year. Um, well, let's talk about the defense. You know, you have, um, you know, the defense has been like BC's stalwart for I don't know how long. Like definitely back to when I was a student at at BC. But again, the defense is a place where there's a lot of attrition, especially in you know, in, in pass coverage. So well, know, defense, how, you, how do you think they're going to... A lot of attrition is, is, is tough because to me, I view it and I see the defense is obliterated on both the front and the back end. To me, I look at it and you return no starters on the defensive line. You're starting a redshirt sophomore and a redshirt freshman, um, which is fine. You know, the, the guys are talented. It's talented, but it's not like they're beating out known quantities where we're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it's not like you're beating out Zach Allen for a spot. You're beating out some rotational guys. Um, and then the the secondary is just decimated. Um, I think that this is going to be a massive issue for BC all year and especially in the front half as they – try to figure anything out because I see it as the only returner is left corner Brandon Sebastian um, who played a fair amount of safety. I've got some, I've got some confidence in Mike Palmer um, at free safety, but um, when you, I just don't trust 
you lose, I guess the way I view it is you lose Hamp Cheevers, your sort of all ACC nickelback. Um, you lose both of your safeties who played in all ACC level for 99% of snaps and the one egregious set of snaps um, in Lucas Dennis and Will Harris. And then you sort of lose Taj and some of the other guys as well. I, I am scared of the, and you also lose Anthony Campanelli who developed all those guys to Michigan um, as a secondary coach. I think that this is going to be a rough, rough year for the back back end. So, yeah. Well, like here's my here's my thing with with, with the defense, and I, I I tend to agree with you um, that you can have that level of attrition and not have some problems. I will say, I, I, I do like Brandon Sebastian a lot. Um, save for the Florida state game. Um, I think he's, he's a, a solid player. He's certainly going to be someone you can rely upon. Um, again, if we just kind of forget about the Florida state game. Um, but after that, like, and I, I, yeah, Mike Palmer is also a solid option as well. I mean, he played, he played 10 games at safety last season. So, um, it's, it's, it's not like he um, is unfamiliar with the territory here. But after that, the drop-off on level of exposure and experience definitely um, is, is there. With that said, um, the one thing that I will say is that Steve Adazio definitely deserves a lot of blame for the way he's run this football program. But the one one of the places where he's earned the benefit of the doubt is uh, in the defense. I don't really know how they're necessarily going to sort of rectify that, to be sure. Um, but at the end of the day, v- BC has turned out some very strong defenses, and you know we, we can talk, we can say that that's on the coordinator all you want. But at the same time, um, you know I think Adazio deserves some of the credit as well. We got a caller on the line. Caller, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Uh, this is Jordan here in Athens, Georgia, UGA. Hey, Jordan. Wow. How are y'all? How are y'all doing? Just fine. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. So I wanted to get y'all's perspective on this. What do you think? Because you talked a lot about the some of the turnover that BC has and how there's a lot to, to kind of put together going into this season. What would y'all consider to be? a successful season in terms of record because I mean, just look at, just looking at BC's schedule, it, st- it starts out pretty, pretty easy. Cause you got the, the Virginia tech, then, then Richmond, Kansas, Rutgers, Wake Forest. I mean, there's a good chance BC could start off, you know, five and five and one, four and two, maybe even six and zero. Oh. but then they've got NC state, Clemson, Syracuse, Florida state, Notre Dame, I mean, it could be undefeated for the first half and then winless for the second half. It could be some mix of that. So I just wanted to get y'all's perspective on that. What do you think, as BC fans, would be a successful season? Well, I, I think I, I think Jordan – or not Jordan. Uh, Patrick is, is expecting – well, I won't speak for Patrick, but my thing is I, I kind of expect a drop-off for the season. Um, I really do um, because, again, you're losing a lot of talent from last season. Um, and, and, and that's an issue. So um, what I will say is that out-of-conference schedule is unbelievably uh, – well, save for Notre Dame um, – is unbelievably weak. So I love if, you, it. If, you, if, if BC doesn't get 
through the Richmonds, the Kansases, the Rutgers of the world, undefeated, that's a problem. <laughs> Um, and and that and, and right. that can't happen. And if that does happen to me, that's concerning. With that said, I think when they get to ACC play, um, I really don't know what to expect. Um, so I'm going to say, um, as much as we joke about it, seven wins is probably uh, I would say a decent season. Um, mm-hmm. Last season, I don't think seven wins was acceptable. Um, I think this year, I, I think they can kind of if they get to seven wins, I'm satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm inclined to – if they can get to seven wins, I'd be impressed. Because basically the way I look look at it, and I say – I was talking with some VTech fans earlier in the month, um, and they're convinced they're going to run all over us. Um, but I see it, and I don't – I don't think that the VTech defense – they haven't proved anything yet. I mean, they were atrocious last year, especially in the run game. Um, their linebackers just got mauled. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of – a lack of experience – on the defensive side. So I call that almost a 50-50 toss-up. Um, sure. I think, I think Richmond's a win. Um, Kansas should be a win. If you don't beat Rutgers, you should go home. Um, they shredded Wake Forest last year, and uh, Wake Forest I don't think is particularly going to be much better this year. I think there's a solid chance that BC starts 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. um, But then I agree with you. It is so backloaded that I don't see them winning – a game from NC state through Syracuse. Cause you know, Vibers has built a huge program there. I have a tough time seeing them beating that, although it is at home in November, which can always alumni has some things. Can't see him winning at Notre Dame and at Pitt is a tough game. Um, you know, Pitt's obviously the coastal champion, but yeah, I don't see him winning that one either. Um, so, yeah, honestly, it could be a six-win first half and a six-loss second half. Um, so, to me, making a bowl would be a success with this team, with this schedule. And that's kind of all I have to think of it, which is a shame because I really like, think you should – I don't like saying six wins is a successful season. Here's my thing. Um that three-game stretch between NC State, Clemson, and Syracuse is brutal. So you have NC State at home, and they have two games on the road against Clemson and Syracuse. Two teams are starting the season ranked. That is hard. Mm-hmm. With that said, if they can pick up a win, I don't, I, I can't, I don't think Clemson is um, a reasonable expectation. But let's say sure. they pick up a win against Syracuse. Um, then you have a pretty decent record going in, assuming that, that BC finishes like – the first half of the season, five and one, six six and zero. When you get to Florida State at home, that's that's a home game. The last home game of the season, it's senior night. It's the red bandana game. Um, that I think if they can pull up that upset against Syracuse, you know the building's going to be electric. The atmosphere is going to be great, and that can probably that can propel BC to do some big things because you know Patrick knows as, as well as I do. You know, BC on Red Bandana Night is a different animal. Um, but with that said, it that energy still needs to be there because I don't think BC is necessarily as good as Florida State, but I also don't think Florida State is necessarily beatable. I think they're beatable on on away on away turf, um, possibly in a cold uh, November night in Boston. Um, 
in an electric atmosphere like Alumni Stadium on Ram Bandana night. But if they get swept and, 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 and they get embarrassed at Clemson and, 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 and at Syracuse, I, I don't think that that we can really look at that game in the same way. And you never know what you're going to get with Florida State because they almost lost to Stanford at home last year. Oh, yeah. With Florida State, like, you, you can't take Florida State with, a, uh, with um, certainly any level of um, – what's the word I'm looking for? You, you have to take Florida State seriously. But you, I, all, Florida State Do also you? doesn't necessarily strike me as a game that isn't out of reach for BC. When I look at, like, BC playing on the road against Clemson, that strikes me as a game that if BC turns in a respectable effort, that's, that's fine with me. Um, but Florida State, it's not a game I'm expecting them to win, but I think it's a game that's manageable and, and definitely right. like, it's, it's, it's attainable. Um, but again, I, I, you know, it really depends on how, they, how far they get because if, you know, it, let's, let's, we're, we're going through all this, you know, saying that um, BC gets, gets through the first half of, of the schedule relatively unscathed. What if they struggle at one of the games in the first uh, half of the season somehow? Um, what if somebody gets hurt and Corin gets hurt? Um, that that changes the tenor of, of, of everything a little bit. So, well, Anthony um, Brown or AJ Dillon get hurt, the season can kind of be chalked up and lost immediately. Um, and, and the thing is, is, you know, they do have problems with with their health. You know, both both players have been hurt. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, yeah, I agree. And to me, I mean, I'm not sure if Syracuse. You know, Babers has built a good program at Syracuse. Um, I think they have a lot of momentum. Um, but obviously, they lose their most prolific quarterback in history in Eric Dungey. Um, so there's a lot of questions there. Florida State, I think you always know, has the talent to beat anyone. But do they have the discipline or the coaching or the offensive line depth? A very different question. Notre Dame, I think, is going to win that game. Um and at Pitt is always hard, especially at the end of the year when they're potentially looking at a another conference title game because of the way that the Coastal set up. It's really a shame this year that BC – if BC was looking for a year to get Duke, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina, they would have much preferred those guys over uh, what they draw in, uh, in Pitt. And VTech. Those would be much, much easier draws. So, Imagine right. if BC played in the ACC Coastal Division. That would be something We'd else. We'd probably be looking at one or two conference title game appearances in which we would have just been absolutely murdered by Clemson. It's true. Well, all right. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, thanks, Dave, for taking the call. Yeah, I, I just don't think, um, you know, I. I Florida State, again, that's not necessarily a game that I think is necessarily out of reach for BC, but I also don't think um, – it, it's obviously not a game you can take lightly. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, BC still has to take care of business the first half of the, of the season. And, um, you know, as, as much as we kind of malign Kansas and Rutgers, um, you know, Kansas – I mean, it's a home game uh, on Friday night, but Rutgers is on the road. Um, it's, it's in it's in Piscataway, um, and you know weird things happen in college football, um, and I, I'm just pulling up the team page right now. Yeah, BC is only 57.5 percent uh, favorite in that game. Yeah, 
I don't know. If we if we lose to Rutgers, it's 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 a bad sign. Rutgers has been hapless the last couple of years. Um and I think yeah, I have a hard time. If they lose to Rutgers, it is a bad, bad sign for the rest of the season. Even if it is like a freak thing or whatever, you should be able to be you need to be able to beat Rutgers. And that's kind of sad saying that because I always feel bad for just crapping all over a team, but they're not good. They're just not good. Anyways, Arthur, do you have predictions for Virginia Tech? Because I really have a lot of I have, there's To me, there's so many questions that it's really hard to predict how either of these teams will do this season. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want, we, you know, we talk about sort of the questions that BC has going in to this upcoming season, Virginia Tech has that tenfold um, because, you know, you, you have a coach in Justin Fuente um, that is starting to sort of feel the pressure um, of, you know, the alumni base um, and, and just kind of the Virginia Tech faithful at large. And, and they, you know, had a pretty uh, bad, especially Virginia Tech season last year, um, you know, Although, everyone is in Virginia T- at Virginia Tech is saying like, you know, everything's back on track and everything is, is you know, good to go. Um, but this is this is the first game of the year and they have to go out and prove it. So I really don't know what to expect from this game um, because I don't know necessarily what to expect from DC and I really don't know what to expect from Virginia Tech. I view so the interesting thing about so Virginia Tech last year, um, for those who aren't super in the know, kicked off a lot of guys, including their starting quarterback. Um, as Justin Ford, they tried to sort of like reset the roster and sort of get what he sort of saw as bad apples out and some good apples in and sort of reset the culture, um, which is admirable, but did not lend itself to a particularly, a particularly successful season by Virginia Tech. They were six and seven. Um, their defense, which long been known for was atrocious but they also returned basically everyone um, which is a huge huge thing in college football and I think a lot of their issues last year in terms of defensive liabilities can be attributed to having such a young and inexperienced team and now that you have that whole unit together again for, a, for another season, you don't really lose anyone. I think they lose one or two guys on defense. It's not a lot. Um, that should improve. But the problem is they're improving from horrendous to respectable, or are they improving from horrendous to good? Um, like, A.J. Dillon gashed them last year. Like, B.C. just has really done – really did well against them last year. Um and they just could not stop uh, any run game all year. So to me, it's a question of, you know, how do those linebackers do? Um, I actually, I, I, I think um, what, what is kind of interesting to me, I'm, I'm interested in see how Ryan Willis does against, you know, this kind of um, patchwork um, defensive secondary um, and pass coverage unit because last year, you know, Ryan Willis had a very strong game um, in the air. You know, he threw for 281 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, BC ended up pulling away with, with that game, but 
you know, Ryan Willis is coming back, um, and he's got, you know, a more experienced crew around him. Um, and he's going up against a team, like in a, um, a defensive coverage unit, that is suspect. So that, I Mayor. think, is, 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 is where you can see a lot of problems for BC. Yeah, and to me, I mean, that's sort of it is like it's it's basically a question of – to me, I think both offenses are going to come out and be fine. Um, I think both offenses will show it, and I think it's basically a question of which defense is going to be able to hold it together. Um, Ryan Willis um, is a good, solid quarterback. I don't think of anything in particular uh, that I, like, really think of about him. could either shred the BC secondary or it will be, you know, another solid, good, but not great BC defense. Um, and that's to me is like sort of the question is like, there's just so much up in the air and there's no way that we can answer this question until they actually start playing, which is why I'm so glad that football starts in three days for real. The Arizona, Hawaii and Miami, Florida were fun games to watch, but they, they don't, like a like one hit for a hardcore addict just not enough um i saw a funny comment on twitter after that miami florida uh game that that um basically said um that that miami florida game was the football equivalent of the florida man yeah fair but um yeah and i i think this is kind of the epitome like i to me, just kind of on its face, and I think I mentioned this on Gobbler Country um, when you know we, we did our interviews. I think, gun to my head, I think I would give BC the slight, slight edge in the game on Saturday, and the only reason for that is because it's at home, um, and that's the only thing I'm basing it on because I there's just so much up in the air, um, you know, if you know, we, we, we bother – if we listen to Virginia Tech and what, what, what's coming out of Virginia Tech and, and believe that Virginia Tech has their act together, you know, the, the team is now a cohesive unit um, and, and everything is kind of coming together, I think that Virginia Tech team can absolutely give BC a lot of problems. But there's also a lot of, you know, questions like, you know, of course they're going to say at Virginia Tech that everything's, you know, hunky-dory and everything's doing – everything's wonderful, but we don't know that for sure yet. Um, and until we do, we, you can't say that with any absolute certainty. And on the flip side, you know, um, as, as confident as we are, like as confident as you are on the offensive line, um, and as confident, or not necessarily confident, but trusting as Steve Adazio as I am on the defensive side, we're kind of just kind of guessing right now. And, you know, again, we don't know what's going on with BC. So it's just kind of like a lot of just general doubt. So, Again, BC in my mind, slight, slight edge, but I, I, I'm not. You, you shouldn't feel comfortable in sort of that that prediction. Yeah, and that's it's, it's just like, you know, we can talk our. I mean, I can talk. If you gave me five minutes to like prep something or whatever, I could talk you both into the fact that BC would win because they're secondary. There's nothing really to worry about, and you know, you've got Brandon Sebastian who's super talented, and Medi Alatrak who and at least the experience to know the schemes. And that matters a ton in week one. Um, I really like Mike Palmer. And then basically your only weak point is 
Tate Haynes, and you should be able to cover that with this and that. And you can talk about um, Bill Sheridan's like super regimented defenses in the past that he's done at the NFL level. But also, like, you could come out and uh, you could be reminded why Medi Yalitrak hasn't played that much in four years and why having a redshirt sophomore with no snaps start at your right corner is a disaster waiting to happen and this and that and that and this. And when you break out, you know, like a three wide receiver set, there's just no hope. Um, like, you could do either way. Um, to me, I just see the Virginia Tech defensive line as super, super thin, which means that as the game goes on, I trust that BC's offensive line can start wearing them down and gashing some larger holes if the game is close. And I trust, I really, I'm very, very high on um, the BC linebacking core this year. I think they have the most talented that I've seen in a few years, I think it almost rivals the 2015, like in terms of talent along the line, the line between McDuffie, Lamont, and Richardson. And I don't think that the run defense has improved as much as Justin Fuente will have wanted it to. Um, and so I think, you know, talented linebackers can cover up a lot of holes. I'm also really high on Tanner Carafa this year. He's my pick for breakout defensive player of the year. Um, I think that Sheridan's going to scheme, scheme him into a lot of good positions where he can make plays. So you heard it here first. So, again, our phone number is 646-200-0446. You want to call in and talk about BC football with Patrick and I, uh, by all means, do so. I just want to shift gears for a second here and, and talk about um, Steve Adazio. Um, and sort of his role on BC's um, sort of future right now. So right now, um, Steve Adazio, um, according to CoachesHotSeat.com, which you know, super scientific um, research we have here, um, he's listed as safe for now, but he's like right on the precipice of being on the edge of, of his hot seat, according to this. Um, so my thing is he's kind of at a crossroads right now um, with the football program because I don't think anybody can really dispute the fact that last year was disappointing um, because you had, um, you know, especially after the first half of the season, um, going into Clemson, um, you had um, – BC was in a really good shape. You know, you had Clemson at home um, – with the chance, with an, and sort of an outside track to like an ACC championship bid, assuming you beat Clemson, which again, easier said than done. Uh, but the point is, BC was in that position where they could have done really, something really special last season. And then the wheels came off. And, you know, obviously Anthony Brown uh, got hurt against Clemson, but he came back. But then Florida State happened, and then Syracuse happened. And just kind of a whole, everything, again, everything just kind of fell apart, and the wheels came off. And to me, BC kind of fell short of what they needed to, to get to. Um, with that said, Patrick, what do you think Steve Adazio and the BC football program need to do to get him to another season? Oh, it's so hard because, you know, with the contract and everything, it seems like the administration either lacks the money or the, so the, the willingness to move on 
um, which is frustrating, which means I think that six and six or seven and six would keep him safe, especially with whatever. But I don't know. Talking about Steve Adazio's coaching situation makes me kind of depressed because I just feel like none of it matters and he could win five. Because here's the difference is, you know, BC could be five and seven this year. And I would ask my own self the question, which quarterback or which, which coach do I believe could have done a better job? Well, I mean, and also BC's probably going to APR into a bowl at five and seven, so. Like, yeah, and that's kind of it. It's like, you know, what do you, what do you, like, what do you, I mean, like, the question is, like, what do I expect? Because I think that's the other thing is you fire coaches for falling short of expectations, but if you expect six and six, like, if he goes three and nine, yeah, he's fired, right? If he goes four and eight, he's probably, like, you know, you start asking the question, you're like, all right, like, what's going on? And it's assuming that we you know the wheels didn't fall off and, you know, your quarterback and your running back didn't get hurt. Um, like, if they go down in week three or whatever, then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, like, four and eight would be fine. Like, that would be shocking at that point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm at the point of where just, like, I thought he was going to get fired last year when he just totally underperformed with the most yeah. talent we've had in several years. And the easiest schedule and then he didn't they gave him an extension and now i question now i'm just like well like good yeah what does it take and basically i don't know i don't even know how many years are left on his contract anymore two three well i mean i think no matter what uh, martin jarman's probably going to keep extending him until he ends up wanting to fire him just because you don't want to have like a lame duck coach at the surface like, like, program I think, I think if there's two if you if he hit less than six and six this year and if he has two years left on his deal then i fire him well here's my thing like and i I think you kind of touched upon this i don't really know where the line is anymore and for bc and i don't know where the expectations are um because i i completely agree with you i think last year was the year to fire him um because the he the team performed well under expectations um, you know, seven and five for the is not commiserate with the team and the talent level that they had. Um, so to me, seven to five last year was absolutely unacceptable. Um, I was disappointed when Martin Jarman uh, announced that he was extending Steve Adazio. And I think a lot of people in the BC fan base um, were, were very disappointed. And I think the issue right now is there's just kind of a lot of cynicism. Um, about the BC football program just amongst the alumni. Like last year was kind of the year um, that should have been the payoff, um, that you know, all the heartache and frustration should have kind of come to a head um, at, some, at, last, at some point last season, and it didn't. Um, and now you're kind of at the point where, like, is this as good as it's going to get? Um, and I, I, you know, I remember, um, you know, Joe, Joe Gravelisi when he was the editor in chief at BC. You know, he published something, and it, it was kind of like a kind of common refrain um, that, you know, if we fire Steve Adazio, w- what does that say for the guy who comes in? Because at that point, like I think it was after three and nine season, um, 
you know, who would want to take that job essentially? Because you you can't fire somebody right after, like with that that low low amount of time, um, sort of building everything. Um, and um, you know, I I think the three and nine season was definitely kind of an anomaly, especially with um, you know Darius Wade getting her. You know, not uh, every team's going to have like an Alabama type um, two Division one caliber um, starting quarterback. Um, in your 2D, especially at BC, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, so 3-9 is, you know, the, that season was kind of a wash. Um, but the other seasons weren't. Um, and there really isn't anything you can, can kind of point to and say, okay, that was something that was out of Steve Adazio's control and prevented BC from getting to where they needed to go. And, you know, if, if we back up one second, um, you know, as much as we joke, like to joke about 7-win Steve, um, you have to wonder, you know, like the benefit of keeping Steve Adazio at the BC football program is he can bring him back to respectability. And whoever replaces Steve Adazio down the road um, gets BC at a point where they, they can build something, build off something. To me, if he keeps turning in seven win seasons, he's getting to the point where he can't help us anymore. Um, so, you know, he's, he's been here what seven this is is this his seventh year at this point because I, I know he started my freshman year of college um and i mean my third year of law school so i guess that's seven years um i'm sure someone's gonna correct my math uh, at some point um if i'm wrong but he's he's here seven years he, if he gets fired after the season you cannot say that you know bc has a lot of turnover it's, it's an unstable position because he's given seven years to sort of turn this football program around, and he didn't get be- get any better than seven wins. Um, so, like, if 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 he's considered sort of the stopgap um, uh, coach that will, was going to bring us back from the Frank Saziani era, um, he did that. Um, it, we, and BC's not turning in those two win seasons anymore. Not good, but. Yeah. Want to build a, but, but, wanna... but, he, but seven win, but now we're kind of at that seven win plateau that Steve Adazio, despite having a very good football program last year, couldn't get past. Uh, and listen, you can you can say all you want about that ball game and um, you know that how, how BC was going to win that game, assuming that the lightning delay didn't happen. Well, guess what? They still had a lot of football to play, and Boise State was a very good team. Um, and if, and, if, and if you know, frankly, it, it should have been in a different bowl if you wanted. I, they just should not have been in a bowl of that level of mediocrity. Yeah, if you're upset about us complaining about seven one seed, then beat Florida State when you had the chance. Um, and you shouldn't be at the Surfro Dallas, like the Surfro Dallas Bowl, whatever you call it. Um, um, and you know, in, in a position where it's such a meaningless bowl that they can cancel it after lightning, um, you know, it's 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 just kind of frustrating, you know, as as a BC football fan to kind of be looking at this and going, you know, when is it going to get better? And and the answer and the answer to that is I don't know. I don't know if we're capable of, of being better um, under Steve Adazio. So my thing is, I don't know where this line is. Seven wins seems fine this year, um, but we need to kind of start evaluating where we want to be as a football program because if this is where we want to be, then we, we have some explaining to do. Yeah, that's sort of the same thing. Like, I guess I view it and I'm like, do I see a world in which 
BC gets dramatically better? Like, do I see a world in which Steve Adazio is consistently churning out? And I wouldn't say, I don't, it doesn't need to be double-digit wins every year. A team that churns out seven to nine wins every year in, without a bowl, right? Like nine and three without a bowl, right? Eight and four right. without a bowl. I would be more than pleased with that, and I would view that as like a, that is a successful, that is a very successful program that I think that if you fire your coach, and at a place like BC, it's hard because like, I think at some level there is a overall ceiling at BC in the same way there's a place thing there's a ceiling at some places like Iowa, but Iowa also turns in a top five team every four years when all their guys become seniors. Like Kirk Ferenc just does that. That's what he does is he gets a class of almost entirely talented freshmen and then he builds them up over four years. They're really good as seniors and they go back to being like a six or seven win team and they restart. And like, to me, that is like what I expect, or I think that BC can be where you qualify for a bowl every year, every, you know, three or four years or whatever, you turn in a really good team that is contending for a conference championship with the elites. I don't expect it every year. It's not realistic, at least right now, not without a much stronger foundation being built. And I also say that fully aware that like BC should not be content with a six and like, you know, so seven wins is like good. Like you should not be content with that as ESPN and other talking heads will want us to believe. Right. There is a point where you need to, you can sort of stop being greedy, but there's also a point when it's just not going to happen for the non Alabama, Georgia's Florida's Texas USC's of the world. And, and, and here's the thing too, like I, I think there's a lot of people kind of in like the BC community that want to be at the level of Georgia, and you know as somebody who lives in Athens and sees what Georgia has to do in order to be at Georgia's level, I don't want BC to do that. I like BC the way it is, um, and I like what what the institution stands for, and I don't want BC to become another Georgia. Um, but what I do want is well, you know, right, kind of I, what. what I want them to become another Georgia. I don't believe it's realistically possible in a decade or two. Well, I, I mean, I would want them to become another Georgia, but I don't want BC to sacrifice um, what it stands for in order to become a Georgia. Oh, well, that's fair. That's also a very – but, like, you know, you can be a Stanford. Sure. I, I, I will take a Stanford. I will absolutely take a Stanford. And I think, to me, that, that sort of Stanford where, like, even Stanford right now is on a decline, and a decline is, oh, we only expect eight wins this year. Right? Like, to me, like, that's, like, or, you know, I hate to compare them to Notre Dame, because Notre Dame also sort of lets their athletes get away with more than, like, Stanford. But, like, Stanford is, like, the golden uh, the platonic ideal of what BC can be, where you you know, obviously you always need to sacrifice at some level academics for athletics, but they don't get to the point of where it's egregious and you start questioning whether or not students belong there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, if, if BC can get to Stanford level, that'd be great. Like, and I think that's, I think that's a reasonable expectation for them. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, it, like, I, I, I keep circling back. And, and before I forget, you know, 
we talked about uh, Dino Babers a little bit in the show. Dino Babers should be the number one reason why we should be concerned about Steve Adazio. Because you know, how long has Dino Babers been at Syracuse? What? Yeah, he's been there for three years. Um, and last year, Syracuse was a legitimate contender in the ACC. Um, they had a fantastic, um, fantastic uh, quarterback um, that Dino Babers sort of developed cradle to grave. Um, and this and year, they're starting the season, they're starting the season ranked, um, which I don't entirely get. Um, but, you know, you have Dino Babers who took this program. They finished 10-3 and three last year. So you have T- Dino Babers that took this program for, from basically where BC was, maybe a little bit better, uh, where BC was under Frank Saziani and took it and created this really strong football program that's a force to be reckoned with in the ACC. And Syracuse plays in the same division. It's still a Northeast um, college football program. You can't tell me that Syracuse has better facilities because they can't. They, they've been trying to replace the carry dome for I don't know how long. Um, but yet Syracuse has found a way to contend and found a way to work with the resources that they have. And the fact that Steve Adazio, with far more time than Dino Babers ever had, um, hasn't been able to get anywhere close to that. Is it, that should be an indictment of where Steve Adazio is right now. Yeah, I am. Will also admit I'm very curious to see how. Because you also have to remember, like, I'm curious to see how Mr. Babers does, Coach Babers does, now that he doesn't have his great quarterback. And granted, Eric Dungey was hurt a lot of the time and Babers did fine without him. Um, but I think you sort of run into the same thing as like as a Cal fan, I always think of like Sonny Dykes where everyone thought he might be the answer because he developed Jared Goff into a first round pick and then Goff left and it was like, well, like this team isn't actually that good. You just happen to have a really smart, capable quarterback who knew the scheme. Um, so I think this year is a big put up or shut up year for Babers in my opinion. Um, or maybe he gets another year or two, but like, yes, I agree. Baber shows the fact that you can get results in three or four years and you don't need to talk about building a foundation of, you know, six wins forever. So, and you don't have to have a team that's young for about six seasons either. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because like, I just don't know, like this feels like the ceiling or near the ceiling with Steve Adazio. And I don't think, Yeah. So, what are, you, what are your predictions for this year? And do you think Steve Adazio is, is, is retained at the end of the season? Is he retained, or do I think he should be retained? Do you think he will be retained? I think he will. I think that they will go – they will get to six wins. I don't know if they win their bowl game. I think that's, that's a lot. That can always be uh, sort of screwy with that. Um, I basically – the way I view it is – on, pull up the BC schedule so I can see the full thing. I haven't memorized it quite yet. Um, Boston College. So best case, so I see five sure wins in my opinion. Five things that I will tick off as a win as a home as a Homer fan of Richmond, Kansas, Rutgers, Wake, and Louisville. 
Um, I think they win one between Pitt, Florida State, and Syracuse. Um, I think they win one there, so that's six. I think Virginia Tech is a 50-50. It's like a firm 50-50. I think they lose the rest of them in pretty solid fashion. Um, So that's six wins. I basically I see that as like I see there they should. Can win you hear me? Six. Yeah. Can you hear me? I see six wins on the schedule. Um, more or less. Um, I think there's. I guess to me it sort of comes down to I think Florida State is the best shot at a win purely because of the home game. Um, it's the Wells Crower 9-11 game, um, which, you know, we can talk about. I guess it's close to 9-11 because it's on 11-9. Um, so I guess they can kind of sneakily get away with that one, but as a whole, you know, should be closer to, you know, the date near the beginning of the season. I understand the whole reason of selling tickets, but yeah, I see. I think Syracuse will be worse than expected, but better than BC. Florida State, you know, give and take, but home field advantage. And then Pitt is obviously, you know, a cluster hell. Um, so I think you can pull out a win from one of those in 50-50 versus Virginia Tech. So you're looking at six to seven wins, um, maybe the bowl game. So, yeah, my prediction is uh, seven and six. Guess what? Um, I think none of us are surprised by that um, as Arthur fights his technical difficulties. Um, and, yeah, it's – Destined, feels destined to be just another one of those mediocre years of BC football. And I guess I'll take this chance as Arthur tries struggles to figure out why his mic isn't working. I am about, back. Oh, perfect. I was about to talk about college football as a whole and how chalky it seemed recently. But that's a, that can potentially be a discussion for another time. Yes. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Um, it, it. It's a problem, isn't it? Um. I think so. Um, I look at it, it and I just read around like, here, but it's it's a problem. You know, there's different years or whatever, and we all like to romanticize like 2007 because it was just a total, total, total crap show. Um, but like, I just it feels like that the it feels like the for lack of a better word, the one percent of college football um, is separating itself more and more every year. And it feels like the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Oklahomas and the Ohio States of the world um, are just, have just gradually turned into machines that, you know, it's because I think it's like this commodification, uh, the super commodification of college football sort of makes it so that like, I don't blame players for going to a place where they think they could are most guaranteed to win the most games and get a paycheck at the end of it in the NFL. I do not ever blame a, ca- a player for choosing something based on like, you know, this might be really good. This is probably the best place to go for my future. Um, especially as a pro. Cause that's like, when you're talking to like these four and five star guys, that's probably what they're gunning for. Um, but it just seems like, you know, they're all going to Alabama and it's fine because Alabama produces 24 NFL players a year or some ridiculous number like that. But it just means that, you know, 
I feel like I'm sitting here being like, man, I wonder who's going to win Clemson-Bama round five. Yeah, and, and, and my thing is is that, um, you know, like you, you have to kind of think about um, you, what you want out of college football. Um, if you want college football to essentially be a feeder into, um, you know, the NFL, then you know, certain has and have nots um, is kind of fine. Uh, because you know, at the end of the day, if, if all we're doing here is just developing players, then you know what does it matter? Um, but it just kind of from a competition standpoint, um, the fact that the Alabamas, the Georgias, um, the Clemsons, to a, maybe a lesser extent the Ohio States, and maybe to a lesser extent the Notre Dames, um, are kind of like these powers, and everybody else is kind of trying to get the scraps at the table. Um, that should be concerning. Um, not only because, um, you, you know, it, it, it's just not as fun to watch, but, you know, you, I don't think – I really expect a world where, like, around here down south, um, you know, college football isn't going to be popular. Uh, but in the rest of the country, that's going to hurt TV ratings if we're, expect, if we're seeing the same things over and over again. Um, and, you know, it, it's a harder ask to ask to see, like, the Florida Miamis of the world. Because think about it for one second. If it, let, 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 let's, let's take away Florida Miami's sort of um, isolation in, in the world of college football. Um, and uh, like, in, yes, like last week. Let's, let's, let's put it on August 31st, 2019 at, let's say, 3.30. Who's watching it? I mean, it, it might get some level of attention, but not the same, because you know, as good as Florida is, I don't think anybody really expects them to be a title contender. Maybe like it just kind of somebody that Alabama could play in Atlanta at the end of the season, um, but I don't think anybody really expects them to be in the college football playoff um, outside of like uh, you know Gainesville. Yeah, and to me, it's just like yeah, it's just like a thing that's. It's just so gradually widened to the point where it's like, you know, it's like I see, you see like, you know, Alabama hang like 50 on Florida, a Florida team that has no offense and is known for its defense. And it's just like, they just crush everything in its path. And I think it's also partially a side effect of, you know, they have all these like sort of, as these coaching staffs get paid more and more. And as head coaches get paid more and more, the ultimate goal becomes to be a head coach. Um, both in terms of ambition and salary, like there's like there's a lot of reasons to want to be. A, and honestly, it doesn't sound like it's that much more work than being an assistant, um, right? Like you're responsible for everything, but like everyone's already working eighty something hour work weeks as an um, assistant, whether you're a grad assistant or you're a defensive coordinator. Um, you're working your tail off every second of the day. But I think you see these things where it's like, well, like, you know, I want to be a head coach. I should try to go to Alabama and be their linebackers coach, defensive coordinator, and now I'm head coach at Georgia or Duke or wherever. And I think it just concentrates all the talent into a select few schools and that makes it 
virtually impossible for upsets to happen. I also think the college football playoff is I love it because it gives us some really, you know, some really awesome games, but it also takes away sort of the magic of like the Boise State beating the Oklahoma State. Um, because hypothetically, like now a team, you know, that maybe sneaks into the fourth, like the fourth spot or whatever, which also hasn't happened, um, has to upset two teams, not one. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just the stratification of college football um, has made me care more about my team, but less about the sport as a whole. Yeah, and uh, I love college football, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just kind of a hard ask to kind of pay attention outside of like Georgia and, and BC. Um, and, and again, I don't think that's good. I, I think that's a problem um, for college football as a whole. Um, and granted, I don't really know how you fix it um, because at, at the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, college football is kind of subsidized, you know, student athletics um, through a, you know, university. So, I don't really know how you fix that because at the end of the day, athletics is like quote unquote secondary um, and the academics are, are what kind of should come into play. I mean, obviously they don't all, all the time, but um, if that's relevant, um, but at the end of the day, um, I think you, I, I think the sport suffers as a whole if there's just not a lot of competition. Yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. So um, we are bringing a tradition back um, from our show, um, Last Call to Noon. By the way, um, this is not the first time we've done live radio. So Patrick and I, uh, for those of you who don't know, which might be a lot of you, Patrick and I actually met um, doing a WZBC radio show uh, at 11 o'clock at night. Um, Was it like a Wednesday or Thursday? you know, someday, someday during the week. Um, but we did it with one other kid named um, Landon Presnell. So if he's listening, hi, Landon. Um, we miss you. Um, but um, we we did it with, the, with Landon for a year. He graduated, and then it was just Patrick and I, and we've done this pod, the podcast, Last Call to Noon, ever since. And Patrick, why was it called Last Call to Noon? Patrick is um, blanking hard. Uh, about why the show is called Last Call to Newton? Oh yeah, no, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I misheard the question. I thought you said what we did on Last Call Newton. I was like, we did a lot of things on Last Call Newton. It's called Last Call Newton because I was just a sad Newton freshman who had to take the bus back at 12:30 because we had the last radio sl- show slot. Um, and so I would I would sit there, and Arthur and Landon would comfort me as I lamented being a Newton freshman, which, as I graduate now and see all these kids moving into Newton, I wish I could go back. Did you see they're tearing down Cushing? They are? Wait, which one? Like yeah. Hardy Cushing or like no, – No, 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 not the dorm, the, the academic building. Oh, well, that makes sense. It's like useless. It doesn't provide anything. I mean, yeah, but still, though. There's nothing in there. I I like had like two classes in there. We don't really miss. It. Well, like I won't miss it that much. I'm sure someone will. Wait, I, really? I, I feel like if you're in the nursing school, like that was that was was that nursing or is that education? Um, I think that was nursing. No. 
what is oh my god how am i forgetting all these places already there's one whatever the one that has like all the administrative offices in it where all the econs have all their discussion sessions in the basement and it's it's, not, it's right across the social work library it's like the saddest right. saddest place known to man oh yeah that would be cushing hall yeah, yeah that is so the uh being torn down. well that is that is the worst building actually carney's the worst building but carney's kind of lovable because it's so bad um yeah, carney's, cushing is, Car- carney's a dump but it's our dump yes exactly um yeah, I know McGuinn. McGuinn is the one with the college social work. That just doesn't need doesn't need to be torn down, but it does need to have the basement thoroughly renovated because it it looks like a dungeon down there, and it looks like the beginning of a horror movie. Um, there's like exposed wires and everything. It's great. Uh, Cushing Hall, though, yeah, that's just like a general lecture hall. Um, that I'll miss nothing. Seth Jacobs had a good had his foreign policy classes in uh, Cushing 001, which I'll miss, but that's basically it. Okay. You know I think they can tear um, down Maloney just for the fun. Maloney. Yeah. No. Big rip. No. 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 Number one, how are you getting around the the stairs? You're not. I just want to watch the world burn. You know that. You jerk. Um. Anyway, um, I digress. But the reason I mentioned that is because we're taking a tradition from Last Call to Newton when our editor in chief Laura Verstecki asks this question. So tonight, she has two questions for us, um, and you can follow Laura Verastecki at L. Verastecki. Uh, she gets retweeted frequently by the BC Interruption Twitter account, um, mostly because she controls it, uh, which is helpful for her. Um, but again, I digress. The first question is, Patrick, have you listened to the new Taylor Swift album? No. I heard it wasn't good, but I heard you liked it, and so I'm really conflicted because you seem to know more about it. But my sister really didn't like it, so yeah. I I I, I will say I like the song "Paper Rings." I like that song a lot. Uh, I know Joe liked it a lot, um, and I listened to it. It's great. I also like "Soon You'll Get Better," which features the Dixie Chicks, um, because it kind of brings back old country Taylor, which I love. Um, so, like, Old Country Taylor is the best. And you're, go- you're going to listen to that album, and we're going to talk about it next week. So, Sounds good. I have to drive back and forth through Sacramento for the next couple of weeks um, as I seek out apartments, which is what I was doing today, um, which I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. Kids, if you think the BC housing process is hard, wait until you're applying to, a for- like, a faraway rental market at the end of a month when you need something by next week. Um, also, you can't hire a realtor. That's also part of it. So, yeah. Anyways, have fun. Yeah. So, her second question was, which football – if there's one football game that Laura should go to, um, which one would it be? Ooh. I'm going to say probably a home game uh, because – although Clemson's always a good trip. At Notre Dame might be fun. I'm going like you're to go to say, one home game. I mean, like, I feel like you, the two home games that I'm like, you should go to are probably Florida state because it's the red bandana game, um, which is, you know, it'll be fun. It's a good opponent or whatever, or honestly the opener. Um, I know it's, it's, um, 
you know, 4 p.m. kickoff time, which is honestly not not bad. Kind of fun. You can tailgate all afternoon. It's not like you have to get up super early for it. Um, it's a good opponent. We don't really know what's going to happen. So, like, it could be really good or it could be really bad. Optimism and pessimism are both high. Um, so, yeah. And you can go for, according to ESPN, tickets are as low as $19. Or, yeah, actually, I think I, I like the Virginia Tech game, too, because uh, all the freshmen are going to be there, and they're not going to be cynical about the program yet, so that will be fun. And I also think, especially if um, BC ends up being good, Florida State would be a lot of fun. Um, so go there. But I will say tickets might also be uh, an arm and a leg to go there, so who knows? Also, you should are, go only consider going out. Kansas at Boston College because I'll be at that game. No, why? Because I'll be at that game. That's the only reason to go. Okay, yeah, that's fair then. Um, Because I wanted to make sure I came back for what should be a win, but also I like Les Miles. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. He is coaching there. Yeah, it's fun. So. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for our first um, show on BCI Radio. I would like to thank everybody for listening. Um, Thank you to everybody who called in, which is really just Jordan. Um, And for Patrick Toppin, and this is Arthur Balin signing off. Have a good week. Enjoy the games, and uh, go Eagles. Yeah, I didn't realize this was live, so to be honest, like next time I'll tell people to call in. Yeah. You Maybe my that. mom will call in. Yeah, I, I'm surprised my dad didn't call in. So, um, anyway, enjoy the games and go Eagles. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.